From the news capital of the world, you've landed on a daily objective from the Ayn Rand Center UK. I'm Jonathan Onig from CapitalistPig.com, and we're here because of you, your support, your contributions, your super chats day after day after day. We bring you really what has been described as the largest uh, series of content based on Ayn Rand's objectivism, inspired by Ayn Rand's objectivism in history, a daily uh, network, if you will, of original programming, including the Daily Objective, lectures from Harry Binswanger, Don Watkins, James Valiant, really experts in the field, and more and more in-person events now, post-COVID, the post-COVID era, including a new weekly, uh, or excuse me, bi-monthly meetup in Edinburgh, Scotland, which I'm told is in Europe. So you're going to want to put that on your calendar, be part of what we're doing online and in person all throughout Europe and all throughout the U.S. as well. So You've landed in the right place and we've got a great show for you today, but we can only be here because of your continued contribution. So if you like what I'm presenting for you today, hit me up in the super chat and know that even if it's a couple of pounds, it really helps us out here. And we've got, you know, we, we don't want to waste your time, so we'll get right to it. We've got a great presentation for you uh, here today. Now, I always want to stress that this is not objectivism. This is our, we are all students of objectivism. So you know, we're learning together and we're hopefully applying Ms. Rand's ideas, Dr. Peacock's ideas to our own life to learn more about the world, learn more about ourselves and live a better life. So I wanna wish everyone more than anything, a happy Halloween. Uh, I, I assume they have Halloween in jolly old England, also known as the UK. I hope so because it's a really fun holiday, uh, which I'm sure you're pretty familiar with. You know what happens on Halloween, we dress up, we um, decorate things with all spooky, like, uh, you know, monsters and grave sites and skeletons. You know, we put on a scary clown outfit. Um, kids dress up like, you know, guts and skeletons. We carve out pumpkins, decorate our homes. Um, you know, I, as a kid, was even scared by the Michael Jackson thriller video. If you remember, that was kind of ghoulish. But, you know, uh, Halloween's become such a big part of the world and you know I've even gotten into it and thank you to Bonnie thank you to Equal Reality there are subscribers on our YouTube channel you can do that as well it's only like five pounds a month take this opportunity now to do that and support what we're doing I mean I am so pro Halloween I have to even say although I've really never gone for the ghoulish stuff that's kind of what's nice about it here's me circa 1983 dressed up like Darth Vader from uh, with my brother dressed up like Darth Vader from Star Wars that's me on the left and uh, a few years later, I don't know, was I circus? Um, could have been a circus performer. All I know is that it's the last time you're ever going to see me in those types of bottoms or tops for that matter. Um, Dr. Peekoff, Dr. Leonard Peekoff was actually asked about not Halloween in particular, but about horror. This idea of horror, what's scary. On one of his wonderful podcasts now from 12 years ago, he was asked, is it wrong to enjoy horror films? Didn't Ayn Rand denounce horror movies? Dr. Peacock's answer was that if you take, well, I'm cutting it, obviously, I'm excerpting it. If you take horror movies as a fun house, then I don't see any problem at all. When I was young, I disliked the city I lived I, and the people I saw. I used to enjoy horror films because when Frankenstein chased Abbott and Costello, it was different. It was not like my aunts or uncles. Frankenstein was much more interesting. Thank you, Jean Ventura, for your generous Canadian contribution. Um, super appreciative. So thank you. Thank you so much. 
for being part of what we're doing here. You're part of the philosophy posse. So you run with the big guys, Don Watkins, James Valiant, Harry Binswanger, the real experts. Thank you for being part of what we're doing. Um, so this is what Dr. Peikoff said, you know, nothing wrong with horror movies. He also said that they were a lot more violent and gory now. And I think that's pretty true. I mean, here's one, even from the 1970s, uh, Halloween, that's been a big franchise. Marion Leon asks, what's my costume this year? It's not circus performer with the tights on, I'll promise you that. And thank you, Mary Leon. Such a great part of what we're doing here. I was loved getting that picture with you, loved meeting you. Hope we can, you know, meet again at a future Ocon or future Ayn Rand Center UK event. So, you know, this is pretty de rigueur now, you know, a scary kind of movie like that. Even some of the newer ones are things like Blair Witch Project. You know, again, there's like, oh, scary witch out there. Um, you know, and I think Dr. Peikoff is right. It's a fun house. It is, we know that goblins and monsters don't exist. You know, we know that this is just a fun, scary funhouse. It's a metaphysical fantasy. You know, we know goblins don't exist and we're not gonna watch the Bear Witch Project and be like, oh, maybe there is some evidence. You know, it's, it's just fun, it's exciting, but I would guess it's really not actually true, truly frightening. And thank you, Marilyn, for all that really super generous contributions. You are literally keeping us on the air. We're bringing you a network of original objectivist programming. That's how ambitious we are here at the Ayn Rand Center UK. Our uh, intrepid leader, Rosie Ginsburg, is putting together a whole network of original programming inspired by objectivism, encouraging you to read Ayn Rand. We're only doing it $5 at a time. So thank you so much, Mary Lee. So it's exciting, but it's really not truly frightening. We know that these horror movies are not real. And although I know they're scary at the time, I think that they're ultimately not really scary, really frightening, really horrifying. So what is, what is, here's the tease, right? So what is, and I'm gonna make you wait for it. Well, this is to me truly horrifying. Take a look at what you're seeing here. This is a, a shot from the 1960s, early 1960s. It's a, a hotel on the side of the road, a motel on the side of the road with people all out and enjoying the, um, uh, Ashley says, a world sans value and reason. That's an objectivist horror. Well, Ashley, first of all, thank you for that contribution. You're part of the philosophy posse, big part of it. And you're onto something here. I would, I would say, you know, if this was a peak off uh, call-in show, I'd say you're definitely onto something here. Because look at this scene, this beautiful scene of you know, people out in the sun, enjoying and relaxing. This was in the 1960s. Look at this today. Now, if, if you're like me, there's something about that that is so straight up distressing. And if you're listening on our, uh, our audio programs, you're seeing the whole area, which was a beautiful pool scene, completely covered over with grass, the, 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 Rooms, look at that, the nice little uh, homes or little uh, little huts and stuff, the hotel rooms are all turned into these decrepit empty shanties. It's so depressing, it's so ugly. Now, it's so distressing, it's scary. Like what happened here to see this? It's just, now this all comes from Dead Motels USA on Instagram, which is a real interesting follow if you're into this kind of stuff. 
Um, but it's, I think people kind of like it for the gawker element of it, but think about it philosophically and look at some of these images. Here's a bandstand again. This looks like more probably the late 1950s. Um, you know, you're seeing a guy on stage, a beautiful band, all the decorations on the wall. It's very elegant. People are all dressed up. Uh, this is this is not like in the turn of the century or turn of the 1900s. This is, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Look at that now. Completely barren, rotting. Everything's been stripped off, graffiti. It's it's not just sad. To me, it's scary. It's distressing. Here's another one. Same thing, a pool scene, a different pool, even a more grand pool. There's a there's a big expansive pool and a, a, a kind of a beautiful artful concrete uh, bridge that's built over the pool. People everywhere, you know, chilling in the sun, the beach umbrellas. Look at that. And look at that scene now, completely stripped. The pool is a swamp overtaken with just garbage and refuse and graffiti. I mean, look at, look at that difference. It's, if, it, it's alarming, right? When you see it, even on a podcast like this, it's, it's something that's alarming about it. I'm gonna show you just one or two more. You're getting the drift here. Here's a, a mountain kind of a, a resort. Again, looks like early 60s to me. Interesting kind of modern looking structures in the back. A little bit, looks kind of California-esque. Hey, playing in the pool, a little Marco Polo, a little suntan oil. And look at that today. You know, the pool half filled with this scuzzy piss water and those things all broken and decrepit, nature taking all over. So I'm gonna show you one more because I'm, you're getting what I'm moving at here. Now an indoor pool, again, 60s, you know, woman uh, uh, you know, enjoying beautiful bodies, swimming, nature, everything, you know, kind of enjoying it. I'll look at that, it just, it's, it's, I mean, it's gone. It's just completely, but if you see, there's a little bit of mankind left. You see a little bit of where man once was. So why is this so distressing? Whereas the horror movies ultimately are not. Why is this really scary? Well, for one thing, it's real. This is, re this is real, this exists. This is not just goblins. And of course, when we see these factors, and Christopher, you're right, you know, there could be some context here, but what happened, we can't help but be alarmed and thinking, what happened to all that life? You know, what happened to man? Maybe they knocked down the hotel and put up a concert or something, but what happened to all that life? What happened to that? And the fact that you're seeing a return to nature in all of this, I think is to me the most distressing. I mean, you're seeing nature come into where once was a civilized place, which was people were dining and swimming and enjoying, you know, in, in civilization. You're seeing nature again return it. And where once you could see there was tremendous amount of human joy, you know, families and people chilling and people flirting and, and just now empty now. Uh, there's nothing to hear. It's just lonely, empty, isolated, dead. And my, I think what makes it to me even especially distressing is that this wasn't a metaphysical given. This wasn't like, you know, we don't feel a sense of fear when a, when a, a, 
a um, hurricane hits, now we might we might fear being in its path. We might fear what it do might do to property or people's lives. But the act itself, we we take it as a metaphysical given. But something happened here that happened to man that nature is just taking it over. And I think the subtext of why it makes this so frightening and so distressing is that the upshot is that man is ineffective. You know, he's helpless, he's doomed. That build a beautiful resort and 40 years later, nature comes in and takes it over. I think to me, that's what makes that so scary, far scarier than anything Halloween related, even the scariest of scary movies. Do you wanna see another one? Do you? Well, let's see a little super chat. Value for value. I want to. I want you to show me you're enjoying these presentations because, you know, there's a lot more to come. Um, what you're seeing here is a huge cruise ship, a cruise ship that uh, houses or seats, you know, could take. I believe as many as can take as many as I believe three thousand people. It's called. Concordia. Now, if that name rings a bell, because the last time you saw the Costa Concordia, it looked like this. This is what uh, befell the Coastal Concordia. And I would posit that these images, which we're going to see, you understand now if you're listening, the Concordia, which is a huge cruise ship, bigger than the Titanic, is literally on its side capsized, half filled up with water, a complete corpse in the middle of the sea, just immobile, filled up with water. And if you don't know the story, it's going on now. Thank you again, Marilyn. Thank you, Marilyn. Again, Marilyn is. is she is, I don't know, she's driving the, but you know, Guy Fieri had flavor time. We've got the philosophy posse, which I think is a lot more interesting. This was the ship from now 10 years ago, struck a rock. Yes, there's a lot of confusion about whether the captain left early, et cetera. That's not of interest to me. And, and look, the fact that people died is horrific. That's also horrific. I'm putting that aside for a moment. I'm talking about the big picture philosophical scariness of images like this. I mean, you're seeing the front view of this boat, huge ship, um, completely half submerged in the most unusual and of distressing way. The lifeboats, the life things on the side just dangling off, the communications thing all, you know, it's, it's, it's really distressing. I mean, this is a beautiful, huge, cruise ship full of people's stuff, people's, um, you know, technology, their systems, HVAC. I mean, this, think about all the moving parts in a cruise ship. Um, and this is what befell this stuff. This isn't distressing. I mean, it's, it's almost, you can't believe it when you see this. This is the kind of a close up of the deck where the, it, it looks like a toy. It looks like a toy in a, a, that's just been overturned. This is a, an enormous cruise ship that, capsized. And there's something about these scenes that even beyond the, obviously the loss of life, the thought of people having to try to escape this, seeing this invention of man, this amazing creation that could 
you know, previously go anywhere on, the, on earth and travel around and house all these people and have just amazing parties and dining. And I mean, this cruise ships are really kind of amazing factors or, you know, entities that are really amazing. Seeing it just immobile, lifeless, um, completely drifting, filled up with water, ruined. Here we see the birds flapping all around, you know, scavenging already, I'm sure. I mean, it's so uniquely distressing to me. And I, I, I think if you are interested in objectivist principles, I think you, you kind of understand why. I mean, for one thing, just the sense of the production lost, the values lost, values to a lot of people. Um, and think about the size and scale of this. This ship was bigger, bigger than the Titanic. You know, bigger than the Titanic, completely just, I mean, this is like Titanic too. And all the effort that went into and building a cruise ship, again, all the systems and wiring and that goes into making it lovely and nice, just all those, and all the memories people had on it and the experiences people had, it's just ruined, it's just completely submerged. And again, this idea of looking you know, to see nature overtaking the ship. You know, this is a human entity, a human creation, and it's just being being submerged and taken back to nature and being obliterated. It's going against man. You know, man made a ship, man, and, and you know, if man wants to break it down and recycle it, whatever, I mean, that, but this is nature overtaking it against man's will. And it's demonstrating his ineffectiveness. To me, that's what's really scary. That's what's totally frightening when you think about just tropes of what's frightening. It's really, really scary. I mean, then you even think about the cleanup. I mean, this is like a corpse, as we said, of people, literally bodies, but all the, just how do you even begin to write this thing? And in fact, there were stories in the days after it, it uh, uh, you know, got hit and, and, and capsized that looters went and started rummaging, you know, scuba diving looters went and, you know, rifled through the whole ship, you know, in the middle of the night or whatever, you know, went and, and, and it reminded me so much of that scene from Les Miserables, if you remember, where Tenardier uh, goes down and he's looting the bodies in the sewer, right? It's just so, these, this terrible human tragedy and physical tragedy, and there's just the looters, the scum of society picking off the, you know, just, it's a fucking ugly scene. And looking at that and thinking, you know, where there was once so much human fun and human enjoyment is now just, it's scary. To me, it's really, really scary. I'm gonna give you one more. And it's not because of all this generous super chat support because I'm not seeing much. So I hope you're saving it up for the end. I'm gonna give you one more. Now that looks pretty nice, right? You see a nice, beautiful river. A little bit, a little building down there. This looks pretty good. Okay, no problem so far. Well, again, that's the tease. This was a show and a genre that was on a number of years ago, about seven or eight years ago, on the History Channel called Life After People. The series they did a series of these. It went on for years. The better the CGI got, the more episodes of this thing they ordered, and. Thank you, Bonnie. Well, I, she says we're exposing the motivation of the anti-individualism element. Is 
there's a lot to this, but it's just, it's friggin' scary. And this to me was the, the worst of the worst. They did a whole series on the premise is very simple. What happens if just mankind evaporates? If all of a sudden there's no people left on earth. And so you see image after image in this show and description after description of just nature overtaking all of mankind's creation. And there we see the White Howers as the capital uh, completely in ruins, not by a, a bomb or something like that, but just by nature. You know, this is hundreds of years after mankind, all the buildings starting to fall down. I mean, it, to me, that is really scary. That gets my heart pumping much more than, um, than like a scary monster or something like this. I mean, this, this is not real, but it's really real enough. Here's a shot of like a, just a street, you know, and you're seeing the concrete uh, sinking and the cars all run and trees growing out of buildings and just, it's, it's frightening. It's super, super frightening. Not interesting to me at all. I don't think there's anything scientific about this that we're learning anything. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, nihilism. To me, it's nihilistic. You know, here's the inside of a mall. I mean, this, this is history channel had a, had a, had a payday with this. Obviously they loved it. You know, the mall where there was once stores and people hanging and chilling and flirting. Now it's like empty, overgrown with vines, um, nature just creeping in, destroying the whole thing. Again, so th this is life after people. And to me, if you want to talk about fear on Halloween, look, I, you can't really come dressed as an episode of Life of People, but think about the difference between fun for the fun house, like Dr. Peikoff talked about, and what is really scary, which is this. What's scary is the thought of the malevolence of man, the inefficiency of man, the hopelessness of man. That's what's scary. Pure evil, Marilyn. Absolutely. I mean, but you know, they love it. They love seeing this. Oh, there's a Statue of Liberty dying, just completely rotting away. It's, it's horrible. And here, for those of you, uh, our, our extensive UK viewership, I mean, this is what they anticipate. You know, there's this, there's the Eiffel Tower, you know, so weak and, you know, of course it's not being maintained. So it just topples over and all the grass coming over. Thank you, Ashley. Ashley shrugged for super great contributions. You guys are showing me that you value what we're doing here. We bring you a channel of objectivism, never had, had it before. In the old days, they used to have to write away for tapes, tapes from people like Harry Binswanger, who we're giving you every week for free. So show us a a little bit of love if you value what we're doing. Don't be a freeloader and, uh, and, and, and thank you for doing what we're doing. So look at this, is the Eiffel Tower. Uh, what is that? Is that London? I guess suppose that's London Bridge. That's in Europe, right? Of course, I mean, just, it's, this is what they're imagining. And here's the gherkin, you know, which I lo love that building, all overrun, vines growing through it, the windows. So it's like a snuff film. If you know what a snuff film, it's like watching a death over and over and over again. And the death they're portraying is the death of man and the death of with man's civilization, reason, advancement, productivity. And you're seeing the world go back to a complete state of nature. And it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, and, and this is what the green movement wants. This is their goal. Enric says, all the roller rinks filled with kids having fun 
all the drive-in theaters with teens necking shut. Yes, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a great point and thank you for your ongoing contribution. And Rick is part of the philosophy posse. And um, yeah, I mean, that's all gone, especially when mankind is gone. The, the roller rink just eventually just collapses on itself. And you know, the green movement's goal is zero human footprint. And as we talk about, the only way to do that is, and they love this show. This is, this is you know, we get the shows we, we deserve. We get the president we deserve based on the culture we have. And the culture now celebrates nature. It demonizes man's use of it. So this is the fantasy, not, you know, in the old days, it was like a fantasy of the future, new technologies, you know, uh, the, the phone that could talk to you, who was that Maxwell Smart to Renana. Now it's just, oh, I hope one day man just disappears. Hurrah, hurrah, nature takes over. It's, it's so scary to me. And the upshot is we're doomed. And if that sounds, you know, particularly scary, you might've kind of remembered or be aware of, be familiar with Miss Rand's understanding of the malevolent universe as against the benevolent universe. Things you should read about, Get in Virtue of Selfishness. It's my second favorite book by Miss Rand. And she talks about this in particular, and it's gonna resonate with you. It's so fundamental. And I think you hear these ideas and you think, oh yeah, this is exactly what I've always felt. This is this idea of the malevolent universe is that man, quoting now, man by his very nature is helpless and doomed, that success, happiness, achievement are impossible to him, that emergencies, disasters, catastrophes are the norm of his life, and that his primary goal is to combat them. And that's what this, you know, this whole genre of what's frightening, you know, it's frightening is the malevolent universe, is the idea that nature is superior to reason, that in the long run, Nature will win over mankind. So echoing back now to Dr. Peikoff's question in his, uh, from his podcast about the horror films, um, he said, Ayn Rand was against horror movies in so much as they were taken as serious art as conveying a view of reality. If you take that view of reality, man as depraved, monstrous, the world is mystical, unintelligible, and defeat as inevitable, you can see why she would be opposed. And that's exactly what this horror is. And this really is. This, this is, this is a horror. This is exactly what that malevolent universe come to life is. And it's why I find it so downright scary. All of it from the motels being overtaken and decrepit, you know, uh, to the whole entire cities as man evaporates. Thank you for being, oh, and most importantly, happy Halloween from the Ayn Rand Center UK. Uh, I was asked on the super chat what I'm gonna be dressing up as this year. Um, could be regret, I'm not sure, we're gonna see about that. Uh, you might have to just tune in and see, you know, if Halloween comes around. And, you know, we're only going to be here because of your support. There's so many ways to do it. And it's so important that you do it. We're only here, as I said, which doesn't come free. We have Daniel in, in Europe. Uh, I don't know, where is he? Slovakia? I, I need to get an atlas, you know, ultimately be involved in this project. But we have people working on this to bring you this efficiently, effectively. You get it on the replay. So help us out. If everyone just sh uh, hits us up with two pounds, five pounds, 
every other week, we can expand the programming we're giving you so dramatically. A lot of you are freeloaders. So get rid of that guilt by coming clean and hitting us up. So we've got so much chat on the, uh, <laughs> the uh, super chat today. I, I, I glanced at a lot of it, but I really read all the, super, all the chats from our YouTube members, Marilene, Bonnie, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, Robert, and so many others. There's Robert Nasser, thank you, Equal to Reality. Thank you guys for being part of what we're doing and thank you for being here. Now listen, at 7 p.m. UK time, we've got the Fountainhead Book Club with Shoshana Milgram. Shoshana Milgram, in my opinion, is the preeminent Ayn Rand scholar living today. If you've ever spoken with her, she knows everything about Ayn Rand. She is unbelievable in her knowledge. She's also a tremendously warm person, engaging person, fun person. So by supporting us, you're getting access to people like Shoshana Milgram. At 7 p.m. tonight, the Fountainhead Book Club for Ayn Rand Center UK members. It will also be live streamed for YouTube members. Check out the link in the chat. So again, for $5 a month, you're getting access to the, the smartest people about Ayn Rand and objectivism living today to ask those questions. And there's no dumb questions because we're all students. And this Friday, you will not wanna miss this because as I said, because of your support, we're able to start slowly expanding. And if you're in Europe, otherwise known as jolly old England, or even Edinburgh, Scotland, we've got some of the biggest stars in objectivism there for you. Come out and see us this Friday, Effective Egoism with Jerome Brook, Don Watkins, and Nico Sapirakopoulos. You know, all of them from the Ayn Rand Center UK. It's in London. Now it's also gonna be live streamed, but we need your help to make this stuff possible. We're bringing these stars over. We're inviting people over. We're having open houses with pamphlets and stuff. We're getting them in objectivism. So you can't do that. You're not in jolly old England. Help us do that by hitting us up on the super chat and becoming a member at, uh, at the link that you'll find in the in, in the chat as well. So we're here coming up what in just friggin' thirty minutes. Go take a shower, get a, a hot toddy or whatever you know a pint, and bring it right back here for um, for more with the Iron Run Center UK. Thank you for liking the show, sharing the show, being part of what we do. Till till. 30 minutes from now and tomorrow at the Daily Objective, I wish you best premises. Be well. <laughs>